Thank you, Amy Ellen. That love of God is still alive today. Uh, I would like you to turn to Philippians 4. We read these verses last week. Just to begin today, Philippians chapter 4, a reminder again. After a week of, this has been a, a, certainly a, a different week for me in answering phone calls and texts and emails about what's going to happen. And uh, Pete, uh, the, the title of this message is not Join the Family. Uh, uh, right now we're disbanding the family, almost, uh, but I'm glad you're here. Uh, so the, the message has had to be changed today. But uh, the title of the message is, Where is God at now? Where is God now? You can write that down in case, if you want to have anybody turn there, uh, go to our webpage this week, and, and it's, it's, it's entitled, uh, Where's God Now? Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say Rejoice. Let your moderation or gentleness, I hope we're gentle, be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Where is God today? The Lord is at hand. (laughs) He's right here. Uh, Be careful for nothing or be anxious. Be uh, fearful. Be worried for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, have you thanked the Lord for coronavirus? If you get it, you better thank him for it. If you don't get it, you better thank him for it. Whatever happens, you thank the Lord. It says, you pray in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So whatever we're praying about, thank him for his take on the problem we're praying for, because his take on it is a lot different than my take or your take, maybe. Now, maybe it's, it's the same, and, and maybe you're praying that God will be glorified through all of this, and, and that God will show, uh, people will see how you respond to maybe a disaster, and they will say, oh, I wish I could respond that way instead of in fear or with worry. That's what he's saying. Hey, we thank him for it. Let your requests be made known unto God, but with thanksgiving. And the peace of God. Uh, People, we need to have peace of God in these times. Uh, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, here's some things to think on. Whatsoever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatsoever uh, ever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, and the peace of God will fall upon you, is what he is saying here in this passage. We need the peace of God. People need to see the peace of God from someplace in times of turmoil. Where is God? 
Where was God when, when Paul, in Acts chapter 27, and we're not going to turn there, but in Acts 27, a storm comes. They didn't take Paul's advice or Paul's counsel to sail. Uh, they decided that they would lay up in another port, and they didn't take Paul's advice, and now they're in the middle of the storm, and Paul says the storm is going to uh, tear the ship apart, but be of good cheer because God is here with us, and there's not a man on this ship that is going to die. We're all going to make it to shore. Well, the sailors sailing that ship didn't believe him, and so they made as if they were going to, uh, they, were, they, they pretended that they were doing their chores as they lowered the lifeboats, and they decided we're going to get, we're, we're going to save ourselves because there's no way that, that we can live any other way. Where was God? Paul says, cut the lifeboats free because if they flee the, the ship, you're going to die. God's plan is to let everybody uh, on this ship, get to the island, not by their own strength, but by God's strength. And where was God? Right there, with them. Where was God in John chapter 6? And we study that in our small group this morning. Be anxious for nothing. Just getting into that. A good lesson today. The disciples say, what are we going to do? How can we feed all of these people? Jesus said, I want you to feed all these people. We can't do it. There's no way. There's not enough money in, in, in the bank, in, uh, uh, in all Galilee to, uh, to be able to buy enough bread for 5,000 people. Well, what do you have? Well, let's count. And as uh, this is Max Licato is kind of directing our, our class thoughts, he said, let's count and see what we have. Okay, we've got how many loaves here? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, maybe I miscounted. Let's see. One, two, three. Uh, how many fish? One, two. Oh, did you miscount? And they counted seven. Five loaves, two fishes. Where was God? Standing right next to them. But they didn't count on God. They didn't count on him. Where is God at now? Standing right with, if, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has come and is indwelling us. And so where is God right now? He is within us in the form of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but the disciples forgot that and they became anxious. We can't do this. It's because they should have counted to eight. Five fish, six, seven, counting the... Uh, Five loaves, six, seven, counting the fish, and Jesus. They should have counted eight. They didn't do that. You know, if you don't count Jesus, you're going to be fearful. You're going to say, what's going to happen? Um, for a half an hour on Friday night, I became anxious by... I was into it probably 15, 20 minutes, and I'd already reached the point that I was going to have to get up in the morning, go to the gas station, fill all my gas cans with gas, 
because the only, uh, we're going to lose our house, the only thing we're going to have to eat is uh, the, what we can grow in our garden, so I need to be able to run my rotor tiller, I need to have uh, my chainsaw, run my chainsaw so that I can clear some land, and uh, I need to have some bullets so that I can get a deer. Uh, I was about 15, 20 minutes into my anxious. And uh, I thought, well, where's God in my picture? <laughs> well, God is within me. The last thing that I need to show to people is that I am anxious. I should not be anxious. Why should I? And so I finished it out, and I said, thank you, Lord. There is no reason for me to feel this way. There is no reason for me to panic and run to the store and buy toilet paper. Uh, By the way, if you run out of toilet paper, give me a call. I've got a whole bunch hoarded. No, I don't. (laughs) I don't, but I know where I can get some because we keep a stash on hand here at the school, at the church. And so uh, I'll I'll get you a roll of toilet paper. You know, what was really embarrassing was that uh, our daughter, Heather, called and said, we've got three rolls of toilet paper in our house. I think this was Friday, and uh, I just got through teaching Hazel not to fill the whole toilet bowl with toilet paper. She's being trained now, and uh, she doesn't, don't do that, and she assured me that it works. She can still get it all down. She had done it in the past, Uh, and so, Dad... Could you go to Target? I know there's no toilet paper at Costco, uh, but if could you go to Target and get some toilet paper? And I'm thinking, that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want people to look. Can I put a bag over my head (laughs) and go in there and just cut out eye holes and uh, so that nobody knows that Pastor Dave is in there hoarding toilet paper? You know, and I felt like, uh, yelling to all of those in the long line that they all had, we were there buying it all out, and I had my, I kept a small pack, I think it was a 12, 12 pack, uh, I had a hard time not hollering, stop hoarding, and it's pretty hard when I had a package of toilet paper in my hand to yell that, but uh, how we respond to this is going to be how people see our God. And you may have needed toilet paper and had to buy some. That's, I'm not saying don't buy toilet paper. Um, but I am saying don't be anxious. Don't be uh, fearful. Don't be controlled by this virus here in the United States and globally. I... Uh, I'll, I'll not shake hands. I, I love shaking hands. Today, I won't. Last Sunday, I did. And then we did a lot of elbow bumps. If, if I forget, because this has been a part of my life now, uh, you've been a part of my life here for 30 years. This is where we have been. Uh, and so if I go to give you a hug, go like that. Remind me. Don't. 
don't hug you, and I won't. It'll just be because I forgot about her. If I hold my hand out, pull yours away. Um, I'm going to do my part to, uh, to do what I can according to what the government is telling us at this time. was listening to a podcast this week. Everything you hear is going right now is the coronavirus. Um, Cheryl Tollefson was telling us this morning in our Sunday school class, she was in the library and they have that little boat and the kids can get in the boat while mom goes and checks out books and stuff. Two little kids were in the boat this week and uh, one of them said, Get the food in storage. The virus is coming. I mean, <laughs> two little kids, they're, they're hearing it. Do your parents believe that you're trusting in God? I mean, do your kids believe you're trusting in God? Or are they saying, Mom and Dad are really worried about this, so maybe I need to be worried about it. Then we have forgotten where God is now. He is with us. As he leaves in Matthew 28, he says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Even through the coronavirus, I am with you. Where is God at? Listening to a podcast by John Piper, and uh, it caught my attention right away, and I began to make uh, jot down notes. And so what I am giving to you this morning in the next 12 minutes uh, is something that Pastor John shared on the podcast only in smaller words because I, John, Pastor John uses big words, I use little words. So you're going to get it in little words. Uh, this, uh, how, what is God doing through this virus? Where is God now? And I can go through the statistics that he gave, but those statistics are they're, they're, they, although they were given on Friday, I think, they're already, uh, they're blown away already, all the statistics for that. But there's a lot of speculation, a lot of panic, a lot of stock market fluctuation. And during this time, it'd be easy for us to lose our faith in God or just forget that God is here. He is with us. He is in charge uh, Pastor John meant, uh, read a letter from a man in Singapore that wrote to, uh, to John Piper, and he said, churches are responding in different ways in Singapore. Some continued services with added precautions, kind of what we're doing here. Some suspended churches altogether, which is all around us. Some pastors were promising, if you are a believer, God will not allow the virus to touch you. That is dangerous, very dangerous. The fourth response, other pastors are saying, this is God's judgment on sinful cities and arrogant nations. That is also dangerous. So where is God at today? What is he doing? How do we make sense of all of this? Uh, so when he began to this podcast, this is how he began. He says, I've got a historical fact, and I've got a biblical fact. 
I'm going to put those together to help us uh, realize where God is now. The historical fact was December 26, 2004, over 200,000 people were killed by a tsunami in the Indian Ocean, including whole churches that had gathered on that day to worship God, swept away on the Lord's Day, and they died. Churches all over the island. Um, these things have happened since, historical fact, these things have happened since the church began in the book of Acts. That's a historical fact. The biblical fact. Turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I'm, and, and whether you get there or not, I'm going to just uh, maybe summarize some of these things. But verse 41 uh, they've just come through the storm out on the, uh, on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples. And Jesus just stood up in the boat, and he said, Peace, be still. And everything went calm. The wind calmed, the waves calmed, which normally you would think that the waves would just keep going and die down. Die. No, that's not the picture that we're given in Mark chapter 4. The disciples, in awe, that they feared exceedingly and said one to another, Wow, what manner of man is this that the winds and the waves obey him? That's a biblical fact. Our God controls the wind and the wave and the coronavirus and any other disasters that we might face God could have stopped that tsunami. Why didn't he? Where's God now? Think about that. Hebrews 13 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed just because he now sits on the throne next to his Father in glory. He still has the power over the wind and the waves and diseases and disasters and whatever happens. And I know you've got friends that, uh, that you work with that say, well, where is God now? My God would never allow this kind of thing to happen. And they're telling the truth. Their God wouldn't. But then they don't have the God of the Bible. But we do. So where is God now? Jesus could have stopped that natural disaster in 2004. But he didn't. Jesus is all-knowing. Omniscient is a word we use for that. He does have all authority. He is sovereign. Has all authority over all of his creation. Not just upon the United States or upon the globe called the Earth, but over the stars and the galaxies. And when we fear that an asteroid is going to enter our orbit and wipe the Earth out, we say, our God is sovereign. 
We have a picture of what I think are asteroids in the book of Revelation that will fall into the sea and, and kill the, the fish. I think a third of what it says, the fish in the sea are killed. He can do that. He is sovereign. He is all-powerful, omnipotent. Uh, he's in charge of natural and supernatural forces, all natural and supernatural forces in this world and in the world around us. He knows where the virus came from. He knows where the virus is going to wind up. And he is in complete power. He is in complete control. He can restrain it or he can not restrain it. Uh, neither sin nor Satan nor sickness nor sabotage is stronger than Jesus. A quote from that podcast. Uh, nothing stronger than Jesus. He's never backed into a corner. He's never forced to tolerate what he does not will. A quote from John, Pastor John. Psalm 33, 11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. They stand forever. What he decides happens. Job 42, verse 2, Job is in the process of repenting because of his own haughtiness, which he had. He was righteous, but he was proud. Job says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Uh, you're, you're in charge, God. Uh, he was right, and he's still right for us today. So how can we make sense of this? Four biblical truths that uh, he brought out, and we're just going to rush through these. What is happening? How can God be part of what is taking place today? Uh, four building blocks, and so use these. I'll just mention them, and, and maybe, uh, or you can listen. But first of all, all of creation has been subject to futility since the time of Adam and Eve. Because sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve there, then everything, including our bodies, began to experience futility. That means, uh, apart from Jesus Christ, there is nothing that really, uh, that, that we're not worth our salt apart from Jesus Christ. Our lives are futile without Jesus Christ. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity, according to Solomon in Ecclesiastes. And so all creation is subjected to futility. We're seeing a lot of futility going on around the world because of this. Whereas God, he is watching, directing, overseeing all of the futility that is taking place on this earth. Uh, I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 8, which is my favorite chapter in the Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 20 says this, For the creature was made subject to vanity, and we're, we're also included in that creature, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered 
from the bondage of corruption into glorious liberty of the children of God. This is through Jesus Christ, he's saying. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and traileth, uh, travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also. Believers also will, suffer, uh, will experience the uh, futility of a body that is going to die. And so our, our bodies, what do we do? The older we get, the more we groan, don't we? I know I do. You get out of bed, you groan. Uh, because this world is experiencing the futility that comes with sin. Um, not only they, but ourselves also. Which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even those of us that uh, the Holy Spirit indwells, and he indwells all believers. He does. So he's talking about believers. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, to, to take place, the redemption of our body. So until the resurrection or until the rapture, we're going to groan. All creation groans, not just us. So these diseases are going to happen. Uh, the day is coming when all creatures will be set free from this bondage here the, to disease, and we're in bondage to that, to disaster, to death. And so we wait, and we groan. So where is God? He is here to comfort us as we groan, to encourage us as we groan. See, the difference for those that are in Christ and those that are uh, rejecting Christ is that our groaning comes because of our corruption, the corruption that came with sin. But it's never because of condemnation. We don't groan because we are condemned by God. You go back to the very first verse of that chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's different for us than it is for unbelievers in that uh, ours isn't for condemnation. It's just that sin is all around us and within us we have a sin nature, but no condemnation. The pain we go through is purifying, not punitive. Got that? When we go through the coronavirus, it's to purify us if we get it. And even now, how, how are we going to respond? It's to purify us here. It's not punitive. God isn't punishing believers because uh, using the coronavirus to punish us. And that's what Paul says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, 9. He says, God has not destined us or appointed us to wrath. See, the wrath is poured out upon unbelievers, God's wrath. Those that reject God is poured out upon them. So that first truth, we die of disease just like all other men. Now, not necessarily because of any particular sin. I say not necessarily because some believers die because of sin. Not to punish them, not to judge them because our judgment was taken by Jesus Christ upon the cross. And so uh, he might, uh, in fact, that's the next one that we're not going to get to this morning. 
But um, we die because of the fall. But remember, for believers, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, says that the sting of death has been removed for believers. When a believer dies, it is different than when an unbeliever dies. When the unbeliever dies, he is going to face the judgment of God, the wrath of God. That's why we have a responsibility to share with them Jesus Christ, because that sting. And I've had funerals for believers, and I've had some funerals for unbelievers. And the response that, that uh, at those funerals, uh, the, the response is so different there is a hopelessness, and it's true. If that, if that person is not a believer, he is hopelessly lost, and there should be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But when a believer dies, the sting has been removed. The stinger of the wasp has been torn out. And so we, we don't face death the same way as an unbeliever faces death. We face death because uh, Christ died, we live. And we live for all eternity. And it's a release from this groaning body, a tent that has fallen down because of age. And so the sting has been removed. So where is God? Number one, uh, he is watching as we experience the futility of the entire world, the earth. Number two, where is God? He's using sickness as mercy. And we will see that next week, <laughs> if we meet next week. I, I guess, even if we don't meet, it will, I'll, I'll preach it and we'll, uh, whether it's nobody here or not, and you can catch it on Facebook, uh, Facebook or the webpage. Let's close in prayer. Father, we are certainly in different times Never in my life did I think that something like this could happen. Never did I think that services would be almost eliminated. Lord, I pray that we will be faithful to you through it all, that our neighbors might see here's a, a family that trusts you, and maybe that's what they need in the midst of their panic. Help us to be wise in how we respond to uh, what people are telling us. I pray, Lord, that everyone here might be ready to die and face you. If there's one here that has not placed their faith in Jesus Christ, that has not bowed at the foot of the cross and and ask you to save them from their sin, that they might do that this morning. Lord, I pray that you will be with those that could not be here. Give them safety as they travel, some back from the, the week of spring break. I pray that you'll give us wisdom as to how to handle the, the schooling and, and all of the things that we do here at church. We love you. We thank you. 
for being with us here now. And I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.